This is a Broad Pods production. From Little Things. At the core of Broad Radio, we believe in celebrating, uplifting, and amplifying the voices of women who are making a real difference in their communities, industries, and the world. So let's do exactly that. Get ready to feel inspired, fiery, and ready to fight for progress because these amazing women prove that even the smallest actions can create massive change. How can we change the world through conversations over food? It's a place to meet, but it can also be a place of incredible promise and change. In this episode, the amazing Hana Asafiri enlightens us on how we can expand our perspectives and not only satiate our hunger for sustenance, but also for a brighter future. So grab a snack and join me, Joe Stanley, and my co-host, Kerry Sackville, as we begin building change from the ground up. Some people end up changing the world by accident because they see a need, or some people are just so driven to change the world because she cannot stand the state of it, and so I... I'm very thrilled to welcome to the show. Again, we've had her in the past and I love her dearly. She's an agitator for social change <laughs> and a legendary restaurateur in Melbourne, Hana Asafiri. Hi there, Hana. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. And I'm so glad Broad Radio continues. Darling, it's been yeah. oh, maybe a year since you last joined us. So, yeah, we evolve and so mm-hmm. do you. For me, I love what you bring around how conversation over food can change the world. Why food and conversation? Well, look, this isn't uh, new. I think conversation salons are a thing of the 16th, 17th and 18th century. Um, Back across Europe, Italy, they were places and spaces which women hosted to uh, inspire, find meaning of life, exchange ideas. Um, And I think they've kind of lost along the way over the years. uh, We've either lost interest or uh, meaning or the need for them. And we're simply reinventing uh, what has traditionally been an unconventional approach uh, to women's social engagement. And uh, food and where people congregate, I think, is an extraordinary opportunity to begin to extend building from the ground up across our differences and invite people to consider not only stimulating their appetite and, and, you know, satiating their appetite for nourishment and food, but certainly their appetite, hopefully, for a better world. And the two, for me, the synergy between those opportunities and and people's curiosity in and around where they come together communally um, are an amazing opportunity for us to to take stock and not wait for governments and 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 politicians to fix the mess that we're in but rather that we do so hannah what what's the structure of the event is there a theme are there um, is there an opportunity for people to, to get up and speak spontaneously? Is it planned speakers? How does it work? So the, the thinking with the Conversation Salon is that we find some of the most inspirational women on any given topic to inspire a room. The theme is conversational, 
to, to re-engage the art of conversation. We don't know how to have conversations anymore. Uh, we, we simply are very divided. We're very polarised around a whole host of issues. This is an opportunity for us to uh, suspend the world that we know um, and allow ourselves to imagine a world where um, plurality, diversity, humanity and compassion are possible and to journey into that space through some of the most inspirational presenters, performers, spoken word, uh, song. It doesn't matter how we engage people to take us on that journey. And for me, I've, uh, I try and locate some of the most marginalised and inspirational voices and give them front and centre platform to then have an honest, open conversation style evening so it's not an academic setting it's not speaking at people it is largely participatory um, and hopefully a journey where we can all walk away feeling a bit more inspired when you talk about conversation i think um we sometimes forget that half of a conversation is listening how good are we at listening these days i don't think we are i think uh, we have have been conditioned and taught certainly since the advent of uh, social media and uh, sound bites and, and uh, populist discourse that we simply want to get our version in. We, we can't tolerate dissent. We can't tolerate disagreement much. We're taught more and more that it's, uh, it's a very polarised and divided way of communicating. So I, I don't think, well, I do think we've lost the art of sitting with discomfort, listening to opinions and perspectives and experiences that are different to our own. And we find ourselves gravitating more towards like-minded people, uh, people who reaffirm our thinking rather than uh, those who potentially challenge um, as though we've got something to lose if we open ourselves up to considering a different possibility. Mm. Do you have any sort of tips for people? Because I know that I can get really defensive when I'm talking to someone who has ideas very different to mine. And I think it's exactly what Joe was saying. I find myself not listening and find myself wanting to argue and, and kind of composing what I want to say instead of hearing them. Do you have like tips for us as to how we can, I guess, engage with people when we do feel that that kind of prickly sense of I don't want to hear what they have to say? Mm. Look, I think uh, for someone like me, our, our normal uh, has been existing on the margins and trying to build communities. Um, and whether that, that margin is within our family, because I was always very different, unconventional, didn't aspire to be the married with children, um, wear the high heels, put the makeup on, all that sort of stuff. And then certainly uh, in society, I don't adhere to what the construct or definition of a woman is. Um, and on top of that, I'm, I'm a Muslim woman who has faith, but I don't have religion. Um, and so there's a whole host of uh, circumstances, which for me has meant in order to engage people, I've had to necessarily build the capacity to suspend what I think and feel, try and listen and build the ability to be the bridge 
so that we can come together and understand that diversity of view. Um, if I wanted to be afforded dignity and respect, I need to afford it to others, no matter how difficult what it is that they've got to say. Um, and I think training over the years, we've been lucky in that sense, uh, existing in a world that has been somewhat hostile to difference, has given us a lot of opportunity um, and training to be able to genuinely um, listen to others in the hope that underneath it all, I start from the premise that people are decent mm. and their, their views um, are often founded on fear uh, misinformation um, and a lack of opportunity to know better. So hopefully we peel away the layers no matter how ignorance presents itself and we can find and connect back up with our humanity. It's interesting. I mean, I love everything you say there. And it sort of belies this assumption that if you're in a space where it's women talking to women that you're preaching to the choir because you're not of course there are many diverse opinions and experiences within a room <laughs> full of women but at yes. times do you get frustrated that um you would like men to be a part of that conversation too this is not a women's only event this mm. is in fact the opposite of that this event um is for the community and it's uh trying to reinterpret what it means to be a woman in this day and age um and, and also to look at the experiences, the diverse experiences of women and hopefully how do we define and understand the freedom that we are all seeking as women? How do we let go of the shackles which, have, which are the conventions which keep us subjugated? How do we imagine um, what women's freedom really looks like where we're not adhering to needing the legitimacy of you know society social conventions and i think both men and women have an extraordinary role um, to create uh, that sort of world and the the men as allies in these conversations is the only way forward so whilst our presenters uh we center front and center the most progressive of women um, the audience or, or the community, if you like, are people who aspire and resonate with a vision of a world uh, that is more humane and more compassionate. And we absolutely invite men, women, non-gender binary, doesn't matter who you are, mm. um, in the quest that we can create that world that is more open and plural. Mm. So I, d I don't want to kind of reduce your message to like one soundbite, but if... You know, you, you, obviously we can't all come to your talk. I'm in Sydney, unfortunately, because I would have loved to, to go to the event. But if there was one thing you could say to men and women to help us all to be, I guess, better people, to make that change, to be better listeners, what, what would you say? Like what's something that we can take away and do like right now to be better? You know, when you, when you lift women and girls, uh, the entire society progresses. Women's, women's uh, men's freedom is found in women's liberation. Men need to be see themselves um, in the freedom of women, that only then will our societies genuinely arrive at a place that is harmonious, peaceful, plural, and can afford everybody the dignity, respect, and the opportunity to be the best version of themselves. 
you talk about freedom and what it looks like. It's largely for everyone, and this I say this all the time about patriarchy in general because I am surrounded by men who have not benefited from the patriarchy. They've been bullied by that yeah. alpha male. Yeah. They have been so deeply affected by it, and we, it's not even toxic masculinity. It's just this sense that they themselves have really struggled to know who they are. And isn't that what we hope for as far as equality is concerned, that each and every individual, no matter how you identify, can be who you are. Look, absolutely. I, I often, I, I find it difficult when feminism, um, certainly the past streams of feminism, I've found them divisive. Uh, they don't engage and build that bridge of engagement with men. And we lump all men in uh, the category of benefactors of misogyny, patriarchy, um, and responsible for violence against women. Now, whilst we absolutely live in global systems which are profoundly built on subjugating women, no doubt, um, at a societal level and then at an individual level, the individual experience definitely differs. It is not men's fault that they are born men. Um, and not all men coerce and bully and, and uh, violate women. Men need to and need to have spaces and platforms where they can be allies to uh, the empowerment of women. Um, and I guess in doing so, we've, we, we can see that there's a void at the moment. There aren't those spaces to engage both men and women who resonate with a vision of a better world. Mm. The only thing I would say is the responsibility in terms of arriving at that place of advocacy for good men requires that not just in the company of women, for example, that they um, uphold systems of equity and respect, but also in the company when they are with men that they call out bad behaviour, that these are some of the things that enable and make men better allies to women and help cultural change. Instead of just saying, well, you know, that's just blokey behaviour, nothing is just blokey behaviour, nothing is just women's behaviour. These are products of a social conditioning um, which... And I just want to jump a little bit back to earlier your guest, Sarah, who was talking about... Um, almost shame, the shame that comes with women's bodies and what happens to women and uh, whether it's post-childbirth or menopause or whatever it is, shame is that glue that, that keeps society so profoundly unequal and it is shifting that shame off women's bodies and both men and women have a responsibility in that. So when we talk about periods, when we talk about menopause, when we talk about leaking, you know, if these if these were uh, male afflictions, we'd be not only talking about them, we would put so much money into research and study that we would have solutions to them by oh, yeah. yesterday. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. so removing uh, that stigma is not just, the onus is not just on women. Um, it is on women and good men who choose to be our allies in this journey. And mm -hmm. to finish... Sometimes women internalise misogyny so much so that they are um, 
the enemy, if you like, of progress and change, that they are so invested in upholding the social inequality. Um, so for me, it's not about men versus women. It is about creating a vision of a world where everybody can potentially thrive. Mm. Hannah, when, when you look at the kind of the younger generation, there's been a lot in the media in Sydney recently about young men, boys behaving badly um, at certain schools and, you know, we still see kind of misogyny and going on in, in the younger generation. Do you feel positive or kind of negative when you're looking at the younger generation? Do you feel that, that we're changing and moving in the right direction or there's still a long way to go? Um, <clears throat> both. Uh, I think I, I do think that at the moment, uh, I mean, society's so profoundly changed since the advent of, of social media where people's uh, realities are reinforced by these notions of existing in these silos and their truth is had in that way. Um, the, the youth and the young are certainly the solutions to this mess. Um, and simultaneously, they require in us, allies, those of us who, who have forged this pathway, who've, who've committed to human rights and social justice, across causes that we we can learn and partner up with them and we can offer them places and spaces in the hope that they see themselves in these causes um, misogyny and and patriarchy for lack of a better word and all these jargons i think what is happening in the world at the moment is that we have never been so connected that somebody in Zimbabwe can see what's happening in the US, that places and spaces that you never knew existed on a map are so connected. Um, minorities are pushing at conventions and demanding their rights. Women are demanding um, that systems reform and change. And I think with that, it's an opportunity for the system to reinvent itself and come back to reimagining how do we create more equitable, fairer, just systems. Instead, sadly, what we've seen over the last probably five years or so, instead of utilising that opportunity, we have doubled down. And now we're repealing some of the gains that women have made over the years. And boys, young boys, are learning from that conversation that now we're having a conversation about abortion again and yes it may be in the US we we certainly follow suit these are global trends in a globally connected world where we talk about abortion rights we talk about women's rights over their bodies um, so I think uh, we have an opportunity to either progress and and incorporate women's involvement to enrich society so that we can celebrate women's contribution um, and not see women's contribution as a problem that needs fixing like childcare or uh, parental leave. These aren't women's problems. These are societal issues. Um, and, and or recognise that where we are, um, are re-cementing, and I know these are kind of complex concepts, but it seems to me that we are re-cementing the social order um, in electing people like Donald Trump, Boris Johnson, Bolsonaro, Scott Morrison, all these men who 
simply in their implicit system of belief is that women and minorities belong in a certain uh, place in society and the social order needs to be maintained. Now, men and boys, young boys, um, listen to that doublespeak, that when you say, oh, yes, we want women, but we reject quotas, we want to have women in our parliament and, and Labor Party and Liberal Party and whatever, but we reject uh, holding men accountable for bad behaviour and for coercion and bullying. You are giving young men and boys a message. Young men and boys and girls um, and women and non-binary, we all internalise and interpret what we are seeing and, and, and the messages we are being given by our leaders. Yes, it's a breath, breath of fresh air at the moment that we have a government who at least rhetorically and symbolically is saying, hey, we want things to be a bit better for women. Are they better? No. Uh, they're certainly nowhere near where they need to be. Are they better than they were 50 years ago? Yes, no, they're kind of different. Um, and I think our measure should not be our worst attributes. Our measure should be the possibility of our best. Mm, well, the conversation continues and it's one of the things that you're so wonderful at. Um, I am so grateful to you, Hannah, for all the work that you continue to do. And um, oh, we, may, we maintain the conversation as we do the rage. That goes hand in hand. Ooh. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> now, yeah. can I just talk about one initiative? This is, uh, it's a new initiative and it's an organisation called Women Can. And I, I just want to bring it up because it's an opportunity for any woman, anyone who identifies as woman, um, who finds themselves on the uh, margins of society at a disadvantage and or a crisis. This is an opportunity to circuit break that and through put them into uh, employment, earn and learn where they, because often some of the greatest barriers to women's participation is where they compete in putting food on the table. You can't upskill them if they have to pay for learning. So there's a new program, an initiative called Women Can Australia, that is putting women uh, in non-traditional women's vocations from carpentry, plumbing, uh, electricians, and they earn while they learn. They do pre-apprenticeship courses. And if women are interested, please reach out um, and send an email to contact at womencan.org um, and we will be able to immediately find you placement, peer support and throughput you on a pathway um, which can genuinely begin to change and contribute to changing some of the conditions of women's employment in traditionally non-women's vocations. Truly amazing. amazing. Womencanaustralia.org is the website. That is awesome. Um, Hana Asafiri, thank you, as always, for uh, your support of Broad Radio and for joining us this morning. My absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having me.